you were never out of the fight. You were created for a time such as this. And you are now preparing to be sent into battle. God is calling you to be his disciple, to be formed in virtue and holiness. He has appointed you as an ambassador of his kingdom. To go and represent him to his people. And he's enlisted you as a soldier of Christ. To be sent out to fight for the good in this world. You were not made to make excuses. time for you to take extreme ownership for your life, for all of your life. It's time to rise up and finally be the man or woman you were created to be. Follow God. Lead others. And never surrender. It is time to begin seeking excellence. What is going on, everybody? This is your boy, Nathan Crankfield, the host and founder of the Seeking Excellence podcast. Man, it is great to be with you today. I haven't recorded a solo one in what feels like a long time. It really hasn't been a long time. I've just done an F ton of uh, guest podcasts recently. I've done a lot of podcasts in like the last six months. So to reiterate, if I haven't uh, shared with you in a while, it's that I really want to write a book this year. And so part of what I'm doing is trying to batch a ton of podcasts together and then take a break from podcasting for like a month at a time and just focus solely on writing for like, you know, 30 days. Uh, Cause I can write a lot. What I've learned is that I can't podcast a lot and write a lot, which, you know, at first I was kind of like, don't be soft, but you know, on the other hand, it's kind of like I podcast a lot, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm going to do like 200 hours roughly of, uh, or no, hundred hours, like with a hundred episodes of podcasts this year not including any like other guest podcasts or talks or things like that too. So it's like a, it's like a good bit, you know what I mean? And so, uh, so yeah, all that to say, here we are. Um, I'm going to be trying to uh, get a lot of these done so I can get ahead a little bit. So this is the furthest ahead I've ever been, you know, like after I record this one, I think I have one more until I'm like two months ahead, which is pretty cool. Uh, and then I'll write and get right back to, you know, neutral basically and have to do it all over again, which is fun. But thank you guys so much for listening along. You know, I'm recording this here at the beginning of February and uh, incredibly exciting. The stuff that's been happening. We've had a lot of momentum, a lot of growth. Uh, you know, I think it's easy to start the new year with a, with some strong momentum. And so we've been able to do that and kind of continue riding it out. And so very grateful for all of your support and for your listenership, if that's a word, and just your participation in any way, sharing the podcast, uh, you know, liking, subscribing, leaving us reviews and ish like that. Really, really grateful for you guys, man. It's been tons of fun. Uh, I really enjoy it. And hopefully today's one you'll enjoy. I will warn you ahead of time, likely going to curse a little bit on this one because I'm going to be talking about some mental toughness, um, talking about my Achilles injury a little bit, been reflecting on this recently as I just hit a year, you know, a few weeks ago since like post-surgery and whatnot. And so I uh, just really been thinking about this a lot and I've always wanted to do one on mental toughness and it's such an interesting topic, right? So the topic of mental toughness is uh, well, like the value of it, the virtue of it has been uh, so, so underestimated and undervalued in our society. We've had this beautiful, and you've heard me talk about this before. We've had this beautiful increase in awareness of the importance of mental health the importance of mental health professionals, of uh, taking care of yourself, you know, as far as like trying to avoid burnout and things like that. But society does this, right? We swing like the, the pendulum swings back and forth and you go to extremes, right? And we have like brief stops in the middle. And I think that the military is probably the only organization left or one of like police, military, things like that where you're still like kind of too far on the extreme of like mental toughness versus mental health. Uh, if, if you know, if you're like prioritizing just one or the other, and I really think the virtues in the mean of prioritizing both. And I'm going to talk about what that looks like today, but 
I think so much of society is like really, really over prioritizing mental health and negating the importance of mental toughness. And we're seeing that all over the place, right? You see how this has played out. What I'm interested in, you know, on a societal level is it's been really interesting to me recently as I've reflected more and more on like the, the shift that has happened uh, with like the boomers, right? So we used to think of like the difference between uh, boomers, baby boomers and millennials was very, um, you know, you, you would think of like the, the strongest difference often would be seen in men, right? Like millennial men were considered to be soft. We're considered to not know how to do like a lot of these practical skills and work with our hands and to be tough. But I've met a lot of soft boomers in my life as well. And when you think about a lot of the issues in society, right? Like these boomer men might've been like, you know, great at, 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 well, uh, you know, putting a fence up or changing tires and changing the oil and all this stuff, but they really let society collapse, which like, isn't that dope? If you really think about it, you know, like the societal collapse and uh, the total, like not crushing it of the church stuff, like evangelization, for example, um, the spirit of Vatican II that really fled into churches, like in the 60s, 70s and 80s, where it just got like super liberal and unorthodox. Like, so there was that, right? So like, that's not that tight, um, but they're really hype about being able to like change tires. And, like, you know, I'm very happy to announce that I can also change a tire. There's definitely some handyman stuff that I'm not great at. We do have YouTube now, which really helps. Um, and so I prefer to be with the men of today, not all the men of today, but the select few of us who strive for virtue and holiness and try to like, you know, defend freedom and uh, preserve orthodoxy and the truth um, that can use YouTube for a lot of the stuff that people who didn't care about those things, which I would call higher values, um, could just do on their own, right? Could just do do off memory. So th- there's that. And I think, you know, I say all that to say that I think it's a lie uh, that a lot of men today are, aren't mentally tough, um, or at least that were substantial. I think that's not true. There are a lot of men today who are mentally tough and it's men and women. I'm not going to just talk about men, but I think that it's a lie that we're somehow like substantially less mentally tough than the generation right before us. Now the generation before them was a bunch of savages and they definitely were more mentally tough than millennials. The greatest generation, the generation went from World War One to World War II, savages, some absolute studs, some thugs, uh, really respect them. Uh, and they were, I mean, some tough SOBs. But I think you start to realize when you talk about the virtues and the mean, even with some of the boomers, right? Even if you say the boomers were like more physically tough, you still see this like lack of courage when it comes to spiritually leading the family, when it comes to being emotionally available to the family, when it comes to being courageous and vulnerable with your wife so you can actually have a strong marriage and not be married three times, uh, that that was lacking. And I think that's the thing that we have to look at today. I think mentally t- mental toughness is very correlated with courage. And I think we have a very fear-based society. We have a very fear, we have fear-based and fear-dominated um, congregations in our parishes. And it's a massive problem. So I, I think those two things are very similar. And what I saw a lot of times in the military was men who were courageous in jumping out of airplanes and going to, you know, getting deployed and going to war, but were not courageous enough to, to pray in front of their family or to, like I said, be vulnerable to their wives and open up. It doesn't mean you have to like cry, right? Like Emily's never seen me cry. It really frustrates her. She's really hoping that she'll see me cry on the wedding day. I told her not to get her hopes up. And it's not that I don't try to cry. And there's men I know that are, you know, more emotional that, that cry frequently. And I don't look down on them as men. I don't think that it's got to be a, a thing that if you're a man, you can't cry. But I just, it's just something that I don't, I don't necessarily do that often. Um, but I think we have to have this balance, right? Of like being emotionally vulnerable, being open with how you're feeling, what's going on in your life, right? Like not closing off your family, especially your wife to a lot of things that are happening in your life. And just being able to like actually express yourself and understand how you're feeling. Like there's a lot of value in that and it can be difficult and uncomfortable to do. I remember when we recorded Emily and I, the crucial conversations podcast, I was talking about how, like just talking about those things, like feelings, all this stuff, like still kind of makes me a little bit uncomfortable. Um, but I do it anyways, because I know it's what's best. And that's what courage is about. Courage is having the, the fortitude to push through the obstacles, the setbacks, the, 
uh, resistance that you face in order to do what is right. And so in talking about mental toughness today, the way that we build that is the same way you build, I kind of view it as like a muscle, right? And it's kind of a virtue. And so, you know, I, I remember having this great priest one time. Uh, so I'm gonna make a quick analogy for the mental health, mental toughness stuff. So a great priest friend of mine once explained masculinity and femininity and how we view those like totally wrong, right? Our approach is really, really bad. So he said, typically what people look at is a spectrum of masculinity and femininity. And you have masculinity on one side, femininity on the other. And he said that the problem is that people view it as in order to be more feminine, you have to be less masculine and vice versa. And what he says, there's basically on two different scales. You have masculine and not masculine. You have feminine and not feminine. And there's feminine virtues that are associated with femininity, right? Openness. Um, you could say like hospitality, right? Uh, yeah, lots of, lots of great, obviously, like gentleness, uh, things like that, right? Um, compassion, maybe you could say too. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that they're, they're only for women, but they're, they're more feminine virtues as we're like strength and courage and boldness, right? Um, are more masculine virtues. And so he's like, we, everybody should be growing in, in all of the virtues. And so you should be growing in your masculinity and kind of like feminine virtues as well. And you should look at them. It's two different scales. Not that if you become more courageous, you have to become more of an a-hole or you become stronger, you have to become less kind, right? You can, you can do both at the same time instead of looking at them as in competition. And I think the same thing goes for mental health and mental toughness. It's like, well, if I start to care about my feelings and how my mental health is doing, then I also, you know, have to like decrease in being tough and being strong and being courageous. And it's just not true. It's a lie that the devil has sold us. And at first you're kind of like, why is that bad? Right. Cause you had all these boomers and uh, the generation before them, I don't know what their generation was called, but who were like super tough and hard ass dads that never could tell their kids that they love them. Right. And all these things. And it's like, and you see, those are kind of the jokes that a lot of like millennial accounts will make back at the boomers. It's like, yeah, sure. I can't, you know, um, weld anything, but at least I can have the emotional capacity to tell my son that I love them. And it's like, why not do both though? You know, why not be willing to like ch- storm the beaches of Normandy and be able to tell your kids that th- you love them? Um, I think that's the epitome, like the ultimate masculinity, right? That's Jesus. Jesus is the most masculine human, you know, the most masculine man that ever lived. He's the manliest of men. Uh, St. Joseph is right behind him. And they both had the capacity to do both of those things, right? So mental toughness, I'm going to talk about it like a muscle. And how do you build your muscles? You build them with resistance. Now, the issue that we have a lot of times with mental toughness is it's very easy to quit on your sets, right? So, so in the gym, when I go into the gym, like I get to choose, um, it's better if I don't get to choose, it's better to go in with a plan, right? To choose a plan in your sober moments before you get in there and get lazy. Uh, it's the beauty of like CrossFit, right? Like orange theory, Emily loves orange theory and you get in there, you just have to do whatever they prescribe, right? Like you don't get a choice. You don't get to think about it. You don't get to talk about it. You just execute. It's like, it's like PT in the military. Now having done PT in the military for like eight years, I was ready to, you know, do my own workouts a little bit. So I kind of like being able to choose, but I still have to know and kind of go into this like deeper place within me when I'm working out to say, okay, I'm not going to just stop whenever my muscles start to get tired, right? Whenever I start to get a little fatigued, I'm not going to lighten the weight. I'm not going to do whatever. Like I have to intentionally find like the whole point of going to the gym, right? Is to get intentionally uncomfortable. And so when you're getting intentionally uncomfortable, you start to grow used to discomfort. And so that's how you get to this point where it's like you like relish in the pain, right? Like you start to get to the point where like I loved, I remember, especially in Afghanistan when I was really getting big, it's like I loved working out with a spotter because a spotter would allow you to keep going, even though you couldn't go anymore and to keep just, oh, you're just breaking that muscle down, man. It gets me hyped just thinking about it. You're just breaking all these muscle fibers. You're just tearing your ass up. Right. And it feels great and awful. Right. Like at the end, you're kind of like, damn, I'm cooked, but it feels good. Cause you're like, I'm going to be, I'm going to be swole. You know, you understand that there's a prize. There's a, there's a reward connected with that pain and that suffering. But the issue with mental toughness is whenever we face resistance, um, it's much more often, much more frequently than physical resistance thrust upon us, right? So think about how often are you really put in a situation where you have to do something that's physically uncomfortable? Probably pretty rare. Like maybe you go to like an amusement park and you're on your feet all day. Maybe you're helping somebody move. 
right? Like they're very, very rare uh, situations unless you have like a manual labor job or you're in the military, uh, which basically is manual labor in many ways. But if not, you probably rarely, you know, get, get a situation that's thrust upon you that pushes you to a lot of physical resistance. But mentally, we get, we get that shit thrown on us all the time, right? Like life just is kind of hard. It's kind of hard all around. It's one of my like, fun, favorite, favorite phrases to say is that life's pretty much hard all around. And it's true. So it could be your boss is pissing you off. Maybe your wife keeps doing something that's driving you crazy or your husband's driving you nuts or your kids are driving you nuts. And the, the great thing, the funny thing about mental toughness is it's really something that kicks in, I think, anytime any virtue is in question, right? Anytime any virtue is being challenged or pushed, you get the opportunity to be humble. You get the opportunity to uh, be patient. You get the opportunity to forgive. Like to me, mental toughness is required for all of those things, right? So it's the fortitude, it's the courage, it's the, you know, uh, willingness to, to push forward and to do what's right, even though you don't feel like it. Um, that's what I think is the most, uh, you know, mentally tough thing you can do. Do what's best, not what feels good. Um, and too many people, I think, you know, we view it on this spectrum where it's like you can either take care of yourself or you can be a badass. And it's like, no, nah, you can do both. Um, you have examples of people in the world who go too far in either direction. I think, uh, you know, um, this comes to mind to think of like the, the mentorship thing that I kind of tell you guys about of like having this like board of directors, right? So I have my board of directors uh, literally for seeking excellence. I have mentors and stuff in my life, but then also having this kind of like your distance mentors is what I call them, who are your favorite authors, uh, speakers, right? Podcasts, whatever. And so David Goggins is like my go-to guy for mental toughness. He's the, the baddest mf -er, I think on the planet. Um, but he's a little crazy, right? And, and he, he prides himself on that. He's got millions of followers and has sold millions of copies of his book. And it's a beautiful thing. It's great. He's been very successful in what he's done. He's gone to Ranger School. He's done uh, Hell Week three times with the Navy SEALs, Air Force pararescue stuff. Dude's a badass. There's no denying it. Now you have to be careful. And this is why you have to have a well-rounded board is that he's also been divorced at least once, maybe twice. Um, I don't even know if he has kids. If he does, he's not super engaged as a father. Uh, I don't think he really has a spiritual life. So he's all in on mental toughness, which is one of the pillars. And we talk about that, right? Like you don't want to go all in on the pillars or forget everything else, which is why I don't think David Goggins is necessarily pursuing sainthood, um, but he does relentlessly pursue his dreams. And if I can take that same wisdom that he puts into being a badass ultra marathon runner and world record holder for most push-ups or pull-ups in 24 hours, then maybe I can be a saint, you know, with that same, with the, some of these virtues that are good. Um, and then having, you know, Father Mike is also on the board and other people who are, you know, kind of balance it out. But you have to, you know, be willing to look at these people and say, man, I can be like that. You know, that's one of the main things that I think was really important, especially as a man. For me, going into ranger school was like, you know, I was just reflecting kind of on this with uh, with reading through some of my notes from Wild at Heart by John Eldridge, which is one of my favorite books on masculinity. And he talks about how written on every man's heart is, just, is several questions, but one of them is, do I have what it takes? And he, he said something really powerful that I, as I was reading through it the other day, where he said that sometimes we feel like God's abandoned us, right? And we have this experience and you might feel like that sometimes with your father, right? If you have a good father who prepares you for the world, and this is how you know, this is one of the key things of fatherhood, right? It's one of the main roles of the father is to make sure that the kids are ready to go out into the world. One of the most toxic things in the world is when a father becomes a helicopter parent because it's the opposite of what's supposed to happen. So talking through this, uh, you know, John Eldridge's point, he says that, you know, when he uh, sometimes you experience abandonment and it's not God abandoning you, it's God saying, yo, you've got this. Right. He's like, I'm still here. God's always with us. He's always present. But sometimes he just backs up a little bit and he's like, you got this. And sometimes the only way to see how MF and bad you are is to is to is to do some some crazy shit. Right. Is to go through some difficult stuff and to come out better on the other side. That's the only way to do it. And so sometimes we get into these difficult situations or we go through these trials, you know, you always hear this corny shit and, and people always sharing God gives us his tough, his, uh, you know, strongest battles or his toughest battles to his strongest soldiers and all this stuff. Everybody says that until it actually gets hard, right? Until life actually gets hard. Then everybody's a coward. Then everybody gets soft, rolls on their back and kind of gives up. And it's like, God, why did you abandon me? And it's like, dog, you wanted to be tough. Like when it was cute, you loved, you retweeted the shit. You know what I mean? You, you wrote, you know, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
you write it on your notebooks and all this other shit. But now, you know, you got a tattoo on the inside of your bicep. But now when life actually, you know, when the rubber meets the road, when life's getting hard, now you're now you're now you're a hoe. And it's like, what happened? What happened? It's, it, it, that reminds me of my favorite, uh, my favorite Ronnie Coleman quote. If you never heard of Ronnie Coleman, Ronnie Coleman's OG uh, bodybuilder, one of the best bodybuilders of all time. He's got some funny YouTube videos, man. I encourage you to watch some Ronnie Coleman if you're uh, heading to the gym today, because Ronnie will get you hype. Lightweight, baby. You know, like Ronnie will get you hype. But one of my favorite Ronnie Coleman quotes that I've used in many circumstances is he's got this really high pitched voice. It's super unfitting. But he says, uh, everybody want to be a bodybuilder, but don't nobody want to lift no heavy ass weight, though. And I'm like, man, ain't that the truth? I used to say that about everybody wants to be a saint, but nobody wants to do, you know, these heroic, virtuous things. Nobody wants to be a martyr. Everybody wants to be a great father and husband. Everybody wants to be great, you know, financially successful. Nobody wants to read the books. Nobody wants to actually set aside the income to actually invest. Right. You know what I mean? Nobody wants to do the work to actually succeed. Everybody wants to be in great shape and nobody wants to lift the weights. Everybody wants to be mentally tough, but nobody wants to actually embrace the opportunities you get to be mentally tough. So life thrusts these opportunities upon you, right? With this difficult shit you're going through and these hard times you're going through. And it sucks. It sucks. There's no way around it. You know, when I was praying at the beginning of 2021, I wanted to do something mentally hard because I can I can start to tell and get a gauge on when I'm becoming mentally soft. Right. When I'm complaining more, gossiping more, just generally being more of a, of a bitch, you know, just day to day, I can start to feel that. And so. I was like, man, I need to do something mentally tough. I was like, I don't know if I need to run a marathon. I don't know if I need to like join CrossFit. I don't know if I need to uh, do some other like crazy shit that I haven't, you know, hasn't come to mind yet. But whatever it is, I need to like discern that. And I'm sure God will show me what it is. And then 15 days later, I tore my Achilles. And so tearing my Achilles was, yeah, not, not fun. I know it sounds like maybe it was like kind of a good time, but believe it or not, it was actually like not awesome. And so uh, tore that and was like super bummed, right? Because I had a ton of, man, I had a lot of momentum going into the year. The podcast was doing well. We were like four or five months in. And uh, yeah, dude, I had all these plans of my RAs. It's when I was working at Benedictine as a resident director. And so my RAs, we had a great planning meeting. We were super pumped. All this stuff I was going to do, it's going to take Seeking Excellence to the next level. I was going to be more intentional with Emily and try to be a better boyfriend and all this stuff. And uh, yeah, it tore my Achilles. And I was like, man, it's all, you know, all this stuff, all these things I'm trying to do. And it's just like setback after setback, right? I had just moved, just started a new job, came in the middle of the semester. Like it was already really difficult. Didn't really know anybody there. And it was a difficult time. And I didn't realize how much God was giving me what I had asked for in doing something that was mentally difficult, you know, becoming more mentally tough because I'll tell you what, I don't know if you've ever learned how to walk for the second time, but it's a B-I-T-C-H, right? It was super not fun. And so um, going through that, the physical therapy, learn how to spread my toes apart, you know, bend my ankle, like all this stuff was painful, uh, difficult, went through a lot of pain after surgery and all these things. And so it really taught me a lot, again, about mental toughness. And mental toughness is something like, you know, they used to say this with your Ranger tab. It's like, yeah, you get the Ranger tab through Ranger school, but you have to earn it every day, right? You have to stay hard. You have to stay bad and keep pushing yourself to be great. So you can be a great example to others, right? Like you have to represent the tab. And that's what I think we're called to do as Catholics. And we don't recognize that enough. We're called to take on all the shit that life can throw at us and keep pushing forward and stay in the fight. You know how you can know somebody is mentally soft. It's the dude who, or the woman who's, you know, either they, they're divorced because they just kind of gave up on their marriage or they stopped practicing their faith because it's just kind of hard and inconvenient or they, they go from job to job because they can't, you know, ever figure it out and they're just kind of always unsettled and they've never really consistent in going to the gym. They're not really consistent in reading. What does this sound like? It sounds like somebody who's the opposite of freaking excellence, right? It sounds like someone who's the opposite of excellence and it's mediocrity. And those same people, the same people I'm describing, you'll hear your Rachel Hollis's and all these other dumbasses who share, share those self-help messages and that these are the people that they target. It's mediocre ass people that they target and they say, it's okay to be mediocre. Sometimes you just need a break. Sometimes you just need a rest day, right? You heard this all the time after the effing pandemic where it was like, you know, if you didn't start your side hustle, if you didn't start anything else or learn a new skill, like you don't need to feel bad about yourself. And it's like, well, what the F did you do the whole time? What did you do? It's okay if you didn't read, if you didn't start a workout routine. If you didn't, and it's like, I didn't crush all of those things. 
Nobody did, right? I mean, very, very few people did it all, right? Lost weight, got back into shape, uh, read 30 books, you know, started a, a side business or whatever your dream thing is, a blog, podcast, whatever. But it's like, you, but you did nothing? Like you, you just sat on your fat ass for, for nine months or whatever, whatever. I mean, if you lived in California, I guess it's been two years now, two years and running. But for the rest of us, it's like, dude, what did you do? What did you do the whole time? What'd you do? What'd you do? What did you do? What did you do? I don't understand. And there's all this softness. Well, sometimes you need to take a break. And it's like, that stuff's nice, you know? And I talk to you guys a lot about the ratio of pat on the back to kick in the ass. And sometimes you got to kick your own ass. Sometimes you just got to kick your own ass. And you got to recognize, you know, I'm not fulfilling my potential. I'm not doing the things I'm called to do. I need accountability. I need a coach. I need whatever. And you need to find somebody who will help you to kick your own ass. And it can start with you, though. Start with getting up and going to the gym. Start with reading every day. Start with making time to freaking pray. Stop beating around the bush. Stop bullshitting. Stop procrastinating on your life and start to pray every single day. And I'm talking to myself with this stuff, too, man. I mean, I look at myself half the time. I'm like, I'm still overweight. I'm still out of shape. I still you know, don't read as much as I'd like to. I still don't pray as much as I'd like to and all these other things. And it's like, okay, but am I going in the right direction? Generally, yes. Am I getting closer to where I want to be? Yes. But there's times where the answer to that question is no. And you need good people in your life. You know, I think we've shared this story before, but Emily really challenged me about six. Oh, it was actually just a month. It was, it was Valentine's Day. So it was almost exactly a month after, my sur- after I tore my Achilles. It was only like three weeks after surgery. And I was kind of just feeling sorry for myself. I was in a pretty dark place at that time. And uh, it was Valentine's Day. And she was like, what are we going to do for Valentine's Day? I was like, I don't know. Just sit here. What else do we do? You know, I was just kind of depressed and sad. And she's like, well, you're not going to try at all. And I was like, what do you want me to do? Like, I'm a, And she was just like, I just think you could put in a little bit of effort. And she left and I was kind of mad for a while. And then I stopped and thought about it. And I was like, damn, she's right. I'm being a bum. I'm being a bum. So I planned like this whole day the next day. And we did this, you know, I mean, we couldn't go anywhere or do anything. But I thought of like some fun games and stuff that we did at home. Wrote each other love letters, uh, you know, and then... Um, I think we read them to each other, which was really cool. We did this like five love languages quiz and talked about it for a while. We played board games, stuff like that. Right. And it was an awesome day. And it was a day that we kind of both realized we went from you know zero to a hundred from the night before and both kind of realized that day. Like, yeah, I think I want to marry you. And it was beautiful. But one thing that's important in that uh, with mental toughness, mental toughness, both is kind of the chicken and the egg when it comes to receiving constructive criticism. Because you need to not be a bitch in order to receive it, but you also have to not be a bitch in order to uh, digest it and then implement whatever it is that somebody's correcting you on, right? So this is where I mean, like, not being a hoe comes into humility. Is that it's 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 the it's weak to be self conscious a self conscious tyrant, right? Like you you look at narcissists and you think this is kind of the oxymoron, right? We talk about this a lot, but like narcissism and people who are extremely arrogant and cocky. Is people will say all the time, you know, that it's really just self-conscious and fear that uh, self-consciousness and fear that uh, real insecurities, insecurities is what I was looking for, insecurities and fear that really prevent people from being more humble and kind of seeing their place in the world, um, seeing themselves as they are in God's eyes, nothing more, nothing less. But but we act like it's not that, right? We act like, oh, you're the you're the big tough guy. It's like, no, you're actually a hoe. And that's why you want to try to, you have this control freak and you have this anxiety and this fear all the time, right? And so that kind of goes back to what I was saying too, with like, we see this a lot of times with fathers, when you see helicopter fathers, it's like fathers are supposed to prepare you for the world and then kind of give you that almost feeling of abandonment while it's like, you know, I still got you here as a fallback, but you can do this, right? Like you can do this. That's what, that's what the military is very good at that, right? You do a ton of training. It's, it's annoying as hell. They push you really hard. They're really hard on you. But then that first time you jump out of a plane at airborne school, you're by yourself, dog. You jump out that freaking door, man. You are alone. And it's not a, an abandonment. It's not your instructors are abandoning you. They're like, dude, you've been training for two straight weeks every single day, learning how to fall, learning how to jump, learning what to do when things go wrong. And when you hand them, when you hand them your, your uh, I can't remember any of the terms, um, but when you hand them your cord, man, like you, you turn and you jump out that door and they look you in the eye and it's like, go get them, go get it, you know? And so that's what life is supposed to be about. Life's supposed to be about, you know, kind of this transition of, of responsibility. And that's why it's so sad when fathers are so dominating, when fathers are narcissistic, when fathers are 
uh, you know, helicopter parents. It's bad when either are helicopter parents, but when your father is, I think it really hits you in a big way. And then too, and many of us have experienced the opposite, right? Where your father's not there kind of at all and doesn't really actually prepare you for the problems. So both, both are unhealthy and both are not good. But yeah, man, when life provides you with these opportunities and you face that resistance, you have to take yourself back to the gym, right? And this is why the gym is so freaking helpful because the gym allows you, you know, when you're doing those sets, especially with something like shoulder press, this is why I love shoulder press because man, you can, you can F yourself up on the bench press or on squats, right? You can hurt yourself on a lot of different exercises, but shoulder press, man, shoulder press, that's like my favorite exercise. You get those damn dumbbells. It's the same thing with like dumbbell chest press. So you could say you could do it with the bench too if you're doing dumbbells. But uh, the good thing, I just love shoulder press, man. I got some, you know, solid shoulders. And so when I'm pushing it up, you know, when you get to like that, that eighth rep and you're trying to get to 10, but it's like your fourth set, like you can just like keep pushing. You're not, you can't drop it on yourself. Nothing bad's going to happen, right? So you can just keep fighting. You can get a good burn, right? You can get a good burn going. Um, and no matter, even if you get stuck, right, there's still like incredible resistance and it's awesome, but you get to choose in that moment. Am I going to just stop immediately? Or am I going to keep going? And the same thing goes in, uh, little moments in life. You know, I choose, I choose Lord. I choose you today. I choose to be patient. I choose to be forgiving. I choose to be kind. And when someone starts testing your patience, you can, you can start to develop that awareness through having a strong prayer life that in those moments you start to become more, you know, self-aware and you're like, man, I'm starting to get this. Am I going to continue to be patient? Am I going to continue to be humble? Am I going to continue to be forgiving? When you get those choices, when you say, ah, man, I knew I said I was going to go to the gym, but do I feel like it's still, I knew I said I was going to read before bed and turn the TV off, but am I really going to do that? And then you get to, you get those bigger moments too, right? Where you started a podcast and, and you had to move a, a month later and you're getting in this really serious relationship and you're starting a new job and you don't know anybody and you're still podcasting and then you tear your Achilles and it's like, should I just stop? Because a lot of people stop. I mean, how many people do you know that, that started a podcast or have you heard of that started a podcast during the pandemic and stop? Because I know a bunch. I know a ton. And this isn't about me. I'm not trying to brag about me. I'm just giving you examples from my life of when I learned and I looked at myself in the mirror and I said, I've wanted to do this for a long time. I'm not going to stop now. And you start to see the devil too. Oh, the devil's a uh, man. He's the worst. So you got to start to hate that fool, right? Because when you start to hate him, then you start to get real passionate. You start to get real motivated to do the things that you need to do. Because that's what I think about. I think about the shit that makes the devil happy. And I just want to do the opposite, right? I, I hate him so much. Like that's, that's all I think. I mean, it's not all I think about, but that's what I try to like bring to the forefront of my mind. It's like the devil would love for me to stop podcasting. The devil would love for me to stop writing. He'd love for me to start doing these things. You know, I used to experience, uh, I've had it a couple of times and it happens still every now and then, but there was a period of my life uh, about a year ago, maybe, maybe not even that long ago, six months, where I felt like I kept kind of having like night terrors and being woken up in the middle of the night because when I'm really tired, you know, I'm, I'm less virtuous. I'm more tempted, a lot of temptation, things like that. And so what I started doing when this MF or when I felt like the devil was, or, you know, a demon, like I, I, I really felt like it was like some spiritual warfare. Cause I was doing a lot of good stuff and kind of going in the right direction. When I felt like that was happening, when I'd get up, I'd start writing. I'm like, all right, you want to wake me up? I'm going to get up. I'm going to read or write or pray. And then guess what? Stop waking me up. You know, you got to start doing the things that, you know, piss them off when he puts you in these tough situations and just say, you can't knock me off, dude. You're not going to push me out of my purpose. You're not going to knock me off the path that Christ has set me on. You're not going to knock me off from helping the people I'm called to help from being the man or woman you created me to, or God created me to be. You can't let anything knock you off from that. And I think that's what people don't realize. You don't have this like resolution, this hard commitment to what it is that you're supposed to do to your calling in life. And what's more important than that? You know, I read this other great quote when I was uh, in, uh, in uh, wild at heart. When I was reading Wild at Heart the other day, let me see if I can pull it up real quick. It says, uh, oh man, there's a few really, there's a few really fire ones um, in here. Dude. But one of my favorites was from Albert Schweitzer. It said, the tragedy of life is what dies inside a man while he lives. And kind of going along the same line, it says, for after years of living in a cage, a lion no longer even believes it's a lion. 
and a man no longer believes he's a man. And so this is your problem, especially to you men out there. But this is true for men and women. I'm serious, ladies, because y'all be getting soft out here, too. No way around it. Everybody is. Everybody gets soft. But men, dude, we, we put you in cages and we expect you to be a beast. Shit don't make no sense. A great, a great kind of a take on this, I think, is Jordan Peterson's uh, encouragement to us men to be a monster. Yo, I heard him talking with uh, Joe Rogan the other night. Actually, I was listening to them, a little YouTube short. Uh, it was like a five-minute video. And, oh, man, I'm trying to remember what. Uh, yeah, 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 dude. So Joe Rogan dropped this fire quote when they were talking about this. And Joe said, it's better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener at war. It's better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener at war. And that's the problem with a lot of men out there is just you're just not you're not willing to be a warrior. And it's true for women, too. We had St. Joan of Arc. There's been plenty of female martyrs in, in, in church history. And we just don't have we don't have the killers like we used to. And you know what I think it is? Like I said at the very beginning, we're a fear based society. We're so entangled in fear and anxieties. And, and I think the problem with the mental health shit is that it's normalized being anxious. It's normalized worrying. It's normalized fear to where it's like, oh, you want to be relatable. So it's like, oh, like I get anxiety and I, and I don't like I don't I don't want to I don't want to be relatable to people who are scared of effing everything. I, I, I'm not relatable to you. That's OK. If that's how you choose to live your life. Are there people who have chemical imbalances in their brain and have serious anxiety disorders? Yes. Are most people just suffering from spiritual warfare and unwilling to be mentally tough? In my opinion, yes. Anxiety and depression and this other shit is, is, are some of the most overdiagnosed things in the world. Do you know how much money? Do you know how much effing money Big Pharma makes from, from uh, labeling every single person who comes into a psychiatrist sad as depressed and giving them medicine? ADHD and ADD and all these things? Like, dude, they make a ton. They make a ton of money. They make a ton of money from that stuff. And I'm not saying that there aren't people who actually suffer from these things, but I, I just, I have, I've had several friends and, and family members and stuff in my life, but there's one friend that comes to mind in particular when I talk about this. And it was just kind of one of those things where it's like, he never wanted to try things that would help. And I'm not saying that things would have fixed it. Cause I don't know. But, but the thing is that we'll never know because he never tried taking his faith life seriously. He never tried exercising regularly. He never tried eating a healthier diet. He never tried, you know, taking his grades more seriously and actually getting his shit together. It maybe it was a chemical, but you'll never know if you don't actually try these other things and try them in tandem, right? Try them together. So I think we got to think about that, man. It's better to be a warrior in the garden. Why aren't you willing to be a warrior? Why aren't you willing to fight? Why aren't you willing to let go of that stuff? How many freaking times in the Bible does God say, be not afraid? I really never understand this. I never understand how we as Christians, as Catholics, look ourselves in the mirror and say, I'm afraid, I'm worried about this, I'm worried about all these things. People who go to daily mass and pray regularly, like not, not, not that many people have these chemical imbalances in their brain that are actually suffering from anxiety disorders and depression and, and like clinical depression. It just, it just simply can't be. I, I just, I don't understand it. I don't think the numbers add up. There's no way we have this huge spike. Life is easier than it's ever been. And you're telling me that now suddenly we have this chemical imbalance. The only way I could possibly believe that is because we are so drugged up. We are so vaccined and we are so, uh, you know, eating all this processed shit. That's so bad for us that I could see potentially as being a cause of it. If you want to argue that, then I could see that, but I still think that it's solvable. I don't think that, I mean, I just find it hard to believe if the theory is God just suddenly made two generations of people who are, you know, ridden, riddled with anxiety and, and depression just so happens that it also like big pharma can make a ton of money off that at the same time. Right. That's just a coincidence that it just increased when like the medicine was available. We've had this increase. Was there an increase in need or was there an increase in medicine? Was there an increase in, in demand or just an increase in supply? And they decided to increase the demand to match the supply because they realized they could make a ton of money. Look up the, look up the, uh, the uh, description of depression, like the symptoms. I remember clowning about this in high school or, or anxiety. We all suffer from those things. And again, I'm not saying that there aren't people who actually suffer from these, these uh, you know, 
there's people who are seriously mentally ill, have really have real struggles. I know people in my life who are like that, and I'm not judging everybody who takes medicine. I'm just saying that there's a lot of people out there who, who claim these things that it's like, do you just need, sometimes you just need to get your shit together. You know, sometimes that's all it is. Sometimes that's what it takes. And that's okay. That's a good thing to recognize that. This brings me to another one of my quotes from Wild at Heart. It says from Daniel Taylor, few things are as encouraging as the realization that things can be different and that we have a role in making them so. People hate that. People hate the idea that your choices, that your current circumstances are a result of your choices. It's, it's miserable because it also forces you to take responsibility for the bad. It gives you optimism and hope for the good, but it makes you take responsibility for the bad. And if there's anything I've ever encountered in my life more than anything else, it's excuses. And we all make them, and I've made them. I've made them for some of the worst things I've ever done, some of my worst mistakes, some of the things I regret the most in my life. But, but you don't have to make them anymore. You can let that go. You can release that. You don't have to live that way forever. So I, I think it's so important for us to evaluate that. How mentally tough are you? What have you committed to that you've kept going on? What, what goals have you set? What dreams have you had that, you, that you've given up on? And sometimes it's important to quit, right? Like, I mean, I quit the military. Like, I got out. I didn't quit right away, right? I didn't quit ranger school. I didn't quit once I committed to going infantry. I didn't quit in the middle of, you know, my infantry training. But at some point I was like, you know what? I don't think this is what God's calling me to do. You don't have to commit to something when you're 18 and do it for the rest of your freaking life. But are you quitting on everything? Are you quitting on the things you're passionate about? Are you quitting on your relationships? Are you quitting on your fitness? Are you quitting on your learning and, and your education? And I'm not just talking about formal education with school because that's not where you learn the most. I'm talking about what did, what did you learn about the most last year? What do you feel confident giving a presentation on or somebody asking you about or, or being interviewed about? You don't know, like, do you know anything that well that you'd feel confident talking about it that much? What are your most important values? What do you cherish the most? What are your priorities in life? How are you living those out? Have you quit on going to mass? Have you quit on trying to live a, a godly life? That's why we have confession. God knows we're going to fail. And he gives us confession and plenty of opportunities to go back over and over and over again. Because you're going to fail. I'm going to fail again. You're going to fail again. That's okay. That's not the point. The point at the, at the risk of being kind of corny is, is that, uh, you know, my, one of my favorite Rocky quotes where he, he's talking to his son in Rocky Balboa. And he said, you, you get up. It's not about how hard you can hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep going, how much you can take and keep moving forward. He's like, losers make excuses, and that's not you. So you need to think about that. What excuses are you making in your life? You know, one thing I always wanted was I never wanted to be a, I never wanted to be a bitch. <laughs> and that's just, that's just me talking real to you guys. I remember like I grew up in that kind of, you know, Northeast neighborhood and friend circle where it was like you, you challenge each other to do stuff that scared you to do things that were daunting. Right. To go talk to a girl, to go, you know, jump off a ramp with your bike to do, you know, whatever it might be. And that's what we prided ourselves on. And so that's why, like, I mean, I get a pit in my stomach. I elect her at my church. I talked about this before and I get nervous before I go up there. Right. Sometimes public speaking does the same thing for me, but I try to get to myself and be like, all right, how can I make myself uncomfortable? How can I put myself in these situations that are going to make me grow? that are going to stretch me. Stop just staying comfortable. You stay with people who look like you, who think like you, who never challenge your beliefs, who never think anything different. Sometimes we try to do this Benedict option stuff where we as Catholics will say, I'm just going to surround myself with people who have the same values as me so I can grow and all this stuff. And that's good. And that's needed. Right. The apostles stuck together. Paul usually rolled, rolled with a homie um, when he was, you know, going around doing his stuff. And that's why he like longed to get back to his people. And you see that in the letters to Timothy and stuff like that. But you, he also went out amongst the Gentiles, right? He also went out amongst the people who didn't know Christ. And he faced a lot of shit for that. He took a lot of crap for, for going out there and, and preaching the gospel in these places. And it's important that we recognize that you can't make an excuse to, to, you know, alleviate yourself of your responsibility to evangelize, to be out there in the world, to be around people who make you uncomfortable, to be yourself in the midst of those people, right? 
you know, one of my favorite poems, I've always talked to, I've always thought about doing a whole podcast on this poem and I kind of want to recite it now. Maybe I'll just talk about certain parts of it. Right. But there's a lot of mental toughness in the poem. If. So the poem, if I root your Kipling, so I have it memorized, but I might pull it up quick. So I don't butcher it. Cause I'd hate to butcher my man's poem. But the reason why I want to share this, this poem with you is because I think it encapsulates mental toughness really well. So check this out. Oh man, I love this freaking thing. So it starts with, if you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you, if you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, but make allowance for their doubting too, if you can wait and not be tired by waiting or being lied about, don't deal in lies or being hated, don't give way to hating and yet don't look too good nor talk too wise. If you can dream and not make dreams your master, if you can think and not make thoughts your aim, if you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters just the same, if you can bear to hear the truth you've spoken, twisted by knaves to make a trap for fools, or watch the things you gave your life to broken and stoop and build them up with worn out tools. If you can make one heap of all your winnings, and risk it on one turn of pitch and toss and lose and start again at your beginnings and never breathe a word about your loss. If you can force your heart and nerve and sinew to serve your turn long after they are gone and so hold on when there is nothing in you except the will which says to them, hold on. If you can talk with crowds and keep your virtue or walk with kings nor lose the common touch. If neither foes nor loving friends can hurt you. If all men count with you, but none too much. If you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, yours is the earth and everything that's in it. And, which is more, you'll be a man, my son. Do we not tell you that shit gives me chills? I love that poem. I love that poem. I, I'm telling you, I've had it memorized. I think, man, I've had it memorized for like six years now. And I pray with it. I pray with it all the time. And I'm like, Lord, make me into this person, right? Like make me into this man. That's God. I mean, that's Jesus, right? That he describes there and all of those things. Um, I mean, certain things, I guess, not to make allowance for their doubting. I guess, I guess Jesus could technically do that. But anyways, Dude, to be lied about, not dealing lies, being hated, don't give way to hating. That's toughness. That's courage. That's strength. Dude, to lose and start again at your beginnings and never breathe a word about your loss, that's toughness. That's courage. To force your heart and nerve, all your muscles to serve you even after they're spent. Dude, that's toughness. If none of the foes or loving friends can hurt you, if all men count with you but none too much, that's toughness. And that's the kind of tough I want you to be, right? I don't need you to be able to go run ultra marathons. And you think of some, you always think of some like, you know, big manly man and all this stuff that, that I'm talking about. And it's like, no, is fitness part of it? Yes, because it's the best training ground that I've ever experienced. I think, I think your body can teach you a lot about your soul and about your mind. So it's a great training ground for it, but then it has to rise to new heights. It has to go to new things, right? Like you have to, Take that, take that virtue that's built there and actually start to refine it even further in these other arenas, in the spiritual life, in the emotional life, in your mental life, in your uh, you know, financial life. All these things that are hard to do. Do hard things. There's a lot of value in it. Take the opportunities that God gives you to, to grow and to overcome and to become a better man or woman. Don't just run from them. Embrace it. You know, David Goggins has some crazy ass moments where he literally is in horrendous amounts of pain. And he's like, no, I want to feel this. Feel your pain. I'm not telling you to run from it. I'm not telling you to stuff it, stuff it away all the time and keep moving forward like nothing ever happened to you. I'm not telling you to not get your wounds fixed. I'm not telling you to not go to counseling. I went to counseling. I went to therapy. I'll probably go again someday. I'm not telling you to not seek help. I'm not telling you to not have friends. I'm not telling you to not open up about your issues. 
What I'm telling you is to do the hard things even when they're difficult and to do them because they're difficult. I'm telling you to stay in the fight when you feel like running. I'm telling you to have the fight with your spouse when you feel like running away and withdrawing. I'm telling you to go to the gym when you're, you're feeling lazy and you're feeling like you don't want to go. I'm telling you to pick up the book and read. I know it's past your bedtime. That's okay. It's okay to skip a little bit of sleep. You're going to be all right. I know it's tough to wake up early in the morning and get your prayer time in, but when the hell else are you going to do it? I know it's difficult to choose the, the, the healthy meal over the, the cheeseburger and fries. I know that. Be tough. Do the right thing, even when it's difficult. Do what's best, not what feels good. That's who you were created to be. You know, I know a lot of people love the intro to the podcast, and so do I. But you got to start embodying this shit, man. You got to start embodying it. You got to become that person. Choose the person you want to become based on, obviously, prayer and discernment of who God's calling you to be and who he created you to be. But then pursue that relentlessly. Be relentless. Look at these people like Kobe Bryant's Mamba mentality and my favorite motivational speaker, Eric Thomas. And I love Derek Jeter and I love Tom Brady. Like they're single-minded focus. Obviously, we can't be that focused on our career or whatever it is, but be that focused on excellence. Do all these different things. Finish your days and feel like you still have a ton to do because you've committed to, a, to being great in all these different areas. And that's okay. But be able to look back on your day and be like, wow, I worked out. I read, I prayed, had a great dinner with my, my fiance. I crushed work. I recorded two podcasts, you know, and I'm going to get up and I'm going to kick ass again tomorrow because that's who I am. That's what I do. I consistently fight hard to be my freaking best in everything that I put my mind to and everything that God sets before me. I just want to give him glory and pursue excellence in every single thing that I do. Not for my fame, not for my glory, not so people think highly of me, but so that I can become the type of person that I can be proud of, that my kids and my wife can be proud of, that God will look at me when I, when I hopefully you know, reach my judgment day and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Way to get after it. That's what I want for you. So evaluate yourself. Increase that self-awareness through prayer. Start to read, start to exercise. And I'm telling you, you got to start taking this stuff seriously. Sometimes to be a saint, you got to be a savage. And we need more savages in this world. It's time to stop being afraid of all this, other, all this little shit. Stop being scared of your shadow. It's time to go out and get after it. I believe in you. Continue to fight hard to be your best. God bless.